that thing that links us is the initiatic experience. And that ties us to our roots and to our history, and it gives us our purpose. To the Perfect Ashler podcast. I'm Chris Galloway, past master of Valley High Lodge 1407 in San Antonio, Texas. Hello, I'm John Hudson, Valley High Lodge number 1407 in San Antonio, Texas. I'm currently the junior deacon. We have a guest today. Hi, I'm uh, Bill Boyd. I'm a past master at Valley High Lodge number 1407 as well. I also am affiliated with a few other lodges in the area, and I, I participate fairly heavily in a bunch of the other Masonic organizations and then some other organizations. Joining those organizations was one of the things that stirred my interest in reading and research and trying to figure out what it is we are doing as a craft, because you have a level where we are doing stuff, and it's clear, and it's Part of what I think I want to talk about today is, do those layers below, are we synchronized and are we really doing everything that, that we think we're doing? And yes, these books tie in. I know that the original intent of these forums is to talk about the content of the books, but what I want to do in, in addition is touching lightly on the content is show how these books may help lodges and what role I think they might play in connecting us to our roots and to those levels below the obvious. We're definitely excited to have you. And I definitely want to start with a, a quick disclaimer. All the statements today represent the opinions of the hosts and the guests and don't represent any official Grand Lodge statement or position. Today, we wanted to focus on three different books. They are books from an author named Carl Claudie. Carl Claudie was a Mason, but he was also an author of several science fiction books and Freemasonry books. He began in his association with Freemasonry in 1908. Um, he was just 29 years old when he was raised to Master Mason by Harmony Lodge number 17 in Washington, D.C. He served as master of that lodge in 1932 and eventually served as the Grand Master of Masons in the District of Columbia in 1943. His Masonic writing career began in earnest when he became associated with the Masonic Service Association in 1923, serving as associate editor of its magazine, The Master Mason, until 1931. Under his leadership, the Masonic Service Association was brought to a place of preeminence through 
his authorship and distribution of the short talk bulletins, which made his name familiar to virtually every lodge in the country. He authored approximately 350 short talk bulletins. In addition to that, he distributed several digests, special bulletins, and portfolios of a historical and factual nature of our craft. Some of the books that he's written are Pocket Masonic Dictionary, Old Tyler Talks, The Old Past Master, A Master's Wages, These Were Brethren, Where Your Treasure Is, The Lion's Paw, Masonic Harvest, Master's Book. Today, we're actually going to discuss three different books and basically how we use those books in our lodge at Valley High. Those books are Introduction to Freemasonry, Volume 1, Entered Apprentice, Introduction to Freemasonry, Volume 2, Fellacraft, and Introduction to Freemasonry, Volume 3, Master Mason. Brother Boyd, I know that when you brought these books to our lodge, I believe you are a district education officer. I found the books right at the end of my tenure as district deputy. Um, So it would have been that changeover. I literally, one night in Waco, switched uniform from district deputy to district education officer. And so I was reading the books during that time frame. So yeah, roughly that time. All three books dive into what our brethren go through when they go through the degrees, their experiences and things like that. When you brought these books to us, you asked me to read them before we introduced them to the lodge when I was going through the chairs. And what stood out to me was that several of the items that are discussed by Claudie goes deeper into the experience, the degree experience, without giving away secrets and things like that. But it was pressed upon me that I was a master mason and I feel like I didn't fully understand what I went through. Um, Brother Hudson, was that kind of your experience when you read it too? Yes, brother. I was just going to say, I believe I was the first EA to go through these books uh, Yep. at that time. I went real deep back to my experience. And uh, I don't know, Bill, if you want to talk a little bit about as well as not only reading the books, but what you ask every new brother to do after reading the book, I think also enhance the experience. The way we are employing the books is at the conclusion of a degree, The Grand Lodge of Texas requires us to provide what we call our blue books. It's the Texas Lodge system of candidate information. And there's four of those books. And we are required to distribute one upon them being voted to receive the degrees, one when they complete the EA, Bellcraft, and Master. And those are the required readings that we encourage them to share with their families to kind of set up what, what's coming for them. I think that idea was good, but I think it was lacking. It fell a little bit short of the mark. So when I found these books by Claudie, these to me felt like that natural piece that fits in. We tell a candidate if it's printed, there's no reason anybody in your family can't read it. Anybody could buy these books and read them. But for our candidates, the books will have that special meaning and the understanding that only they will have. When we hand them the blue book, the Claudie book, and then we ask them to come back before they turn in their required proficiency and give us a report on some aspect of the book 
that either helps or clarifies or educates them on some aspect of the degree. Anyone that does instruction or teaches knows this is really just a device to make sure the candidate reads the book. And doesn't matter what they come back and say. If they say something, we're going to know if they read the book. And that's, that's the key. I have found the books particularly useful if they read them prior to starting their proficiency work. You can read them in one sitting. So we tell the candidates, if you read this before you do your proficiency, it's really going to help you launch into your memory work. The initiatic experience itself is a fairly in-depth field of study for Masonic scholars, but there's a consensus that masonry itself is an initiatic experience. Are we at our top level doing things that tie us down to the levels below? And I would say, no, we're not. And that thing that links us is the initiatic experience. And that ties us to our roots and to our history, and it gives us our purpose. There is a specific point where you think initiation occurs. Chris, where would you say that that is? I feel like it's a trick question. Well, it is. <laughs> I think that most people would answer that by saying at the EA obligation. But I will go deeper and say it's at the raising in the third degree. John, are you going to stand you know, up and oppose? For me, it's honestly at the very beginning when I knocked and the door was opened. Mm -hmm. I'm remembering it like yesterday, right mm -hmm. now. Yeah, yes. And that's the great thing about this is that we personalize our masonry. My campaign is to provide everything that a brother needs to personalize and internalize it. Now, there is within the field of study a point called preparation for the initiatic experience. Where would you guys say you were prepared for the initiatic experience? There is a preparatory part, and I'd be interested to hear where you guys think that preparation is complete. So for me, it's when I believe it, when the senior deacon was in the room with me, but first, you know, in, in my heart really had some reflection time. I really mm -hmm. did. And then spending time with our senior deacon, Adam, at that time, remembering it like it was yesterday and, and him just being there with me and showing his kindness because I was a little nervous, mm -hmm. to, I think, right. <laughs> to say the least, mm -hmm. uh, I was a little nervous, but he calmed my nerves. So that's, that's where that happened for me personally. Mm -hmm. Chris, you got to, I don't know if it's ever really complete. I'll say that in my opinion. I mean, I think that there's different stages as we go through masonry. Personally, as, as Brother Hudson just spoke about, as you go through from EA to Master Mason, once you become a Master Mason, there's other levels. And even mm -hmm. me now, I'm essentially an initiatic past master, right? So mm -hmm. I'm experiencing that right now as we go through it. Yeah. The original preparation happens in the room adjoining the lodge, mentally and physically, through each stage going through the degrees with the mentorship with your mentor, you're, you're gaining some more pieces before you get to that next degree. Right. Um, but I don't know if it ever really finishes. Being that this is a field of study and there's continually papers and books and thoughts that are being exchanged, I would tell you my opinion is that this is not settled science. So obviously, therefore, I think there's no wrong answer. 
if I was going to pin that point where preparation is completed for the purpose of entering the Masonic fraternity, I would say once the candidate is brought in and goes through the ritual near the center of the lodge room, because at that point, he has done everything that he can do and made all the required attestations. He is now finished his preparation. He is now ready, in my mind, to relinquish control to a, a true and trusted brother. To me, that's where it changes from the preparation to the initiatic experience. Again, that's my personal interpretation just based on evaluating different things that I've read. The reason that I wanted to go back to this and tie this to the initiatic experience Generally, what we do and what we did at Valley High before the Claudie books was we bring a guy, we, we do his paperwork, we do his exam, his investigation, and we talk to him. We tell him to get ready, get ready, get ready. You're getting ready to be given a bunch of stuff. We're getting ready to throw a bunch of things at you. And then we bring them in and we run them around the room and we do a whole bunch of stuff in a span of about an hour. And then we tell them, now you've been initiated, and now you're going to have to tell us what that was. And then at the end, when he does his proficiency, we are then judging that he knows all of what happened to him and why. And we all know that's complete balderdash is a good word, I think. Now, I see these books as a device. They're a training device. There's nothing controversial in them. Claudie is an accepted author by many Grand Lodges. His interpretations of the symbolism is not controversial in any way. But also, it's not in-depth. It's This is what I would call bite-sized lessons. And in my mind, what these books do for each candidate is they provide a transition switch. So we bring them in, we still run them around the room, but now we throw a breaker switch in the middle and we say, here is some generally accepted writings as to what you just did. We're inserting a step in the middle whereby the brain can now stop, go through and digest in order. Essentially, these books will go in a logical order. And, and then make that transition, oh, this was that, this was that, make that equation so that now he's next step will be to be taught how to memorize and say back. So that really is what these books are to me. They're just a, a device to change the frame of mind of the brain. Because in my mind, the old method, fire hose in, fire hose out, there's no time and there's no process in there for the candidate to learn what those steps are and then digest it, put them in context. And then essentially we want them to teach their instructor what they've just done. That to me is the ultimate purpose of the books. Now, as far as our original question, the initiatic experience itself, you'll find that a lot of writers, if they don't come out and say it, they point to the fact that the three degrees of masonry 
are the initiatic experience because we're taking what we say is a good man and then we're going to somehow magically make him better. To do that, we have to go through these three sequences, the three degrees. If we take the common writings as accepted fact where the EA is youth and inexperience, the fellow craft is your manhood, and then the master mason is old age and wisdom, those three combine to take and transform the man from the profane to the master mason by a process of initiation. For a full and complete initiation to go through, you proceed through each of these parts of the initiatic experience. At the end, if we have done our job, if we have provided the tools, if we have mentored, given them the material to read and explain to them how these working tools can be applied to their life, we have now initiated that man into a new way of thinking, but it takes all three. At the very beginning, the EA, at that point where I said the initiatic preparation is complete, the next thing that happens after his attestation and trust is we then take him and we make him trust the brother who will then take hold of him. And we are now changing his frame of reference to include opening up to the brothers, becoming one with the brotherhood, and now going hand in hand or arm in arm into a new future with brothers. To me, that is the changeover and the very first step in the initiatic process is that you now have the commonality with your brothers that all have done, which was that piece near the center of the lodge room. And you have now accepted the brothers as those within whom you can place your trust. That sets in motion the three degrees in the way I would interpret it. And I'm a little jealous of the, the fact that Brother Hudson got to experience these books while he was going through the degrees, because when I read these after I was raised as a master mason and already going through the chairs, this was the piece I was missing. That's, this is that piece of the pie that I think you discussed a few minutes ago that was missing the mentorship and the sense of explaining what had happened to me. I had a wonderful mentor, Brother Ken White, who's really great with his memory work. Mm -hmm. But as we were going through, I had questions about what I was responding to and what had happened to me. He would answer them when I asked, but I think this book is just a good outline that lays it out so you don't forget something. Mm -hmm. But also, I think it's, like you said, very generic in the sense that you can interpret it how you want to interpret it. And his interpretation may be different from mine. So how mm -hmm. he would explain it might be different than this very basic explanation, which is what I needed so that I could take it and, and make it my own. What do you think, Brother Hudson? Was that your experience? The two words that are popping to my mind is, as Brother Bill said, digest and reflect. And that's really what I remember right after reading the, that first book, that's what I did. And I'll take you back, Brother Bill, to when you said you really encourage a newly made brother to read this before he starts doing his memory work. 
And, and I think that's, that's key. And with these books, they're so short that mm -hmm. as soon as you get done with your degree, you are on a high, like you are on a, just like, Whoa, you know, and then give it a little bit. And then maybe the next day, a few days after just read through them, read mm -hmm. through that book. I think I read it maybe three times. Right. Yeah. And, and then I'll mention, you talked about learning how to place trust into another brother. For some brothers, it might not be as comfortable to open up emotionally or open up to what they went through during those degrees. We're saying, read the books, reflect, digest. We're doing this out of love. We want you to really retain the information and then share that with us. Share this with your brothers where you have to be vulnerable. And I remember that too, where you have that vulnerability and you have to share those things. So that might not be comfortable, but we're helping the brothers through it. And they may not even be able to do it at the end of the first or the second degree, but by the third degree, if we have done our work, if we have, have mentored this new brother, they will see through that final act in the third degree of how the brothers interact and how the brothers interact towards them. And then that pulls them into the, the brotherhood. I mean, they start when they stand up and they follow the brother within whom they can trust. And then now we're literally pulling them in. And to me, this is where we are now passing out of the initiatic experience into the brother's unique journey. I feel it has always been the weak spot. I don't know that we have the experience in the fraternity to explain even what's in these Claudi books, even though they're at a very high level, they're certainly nowhere near a Manly P. Hall level. These books would almost be the masonry for dummies for those initiated. If it helps provide that context and it changes the brain's mode of operation, which is what I'm about, get them out of that receive mode and get them into active learning mode. If you get them into active learning mode before they start that proficiency work, their mind is receptive at that point for new information and new things. I feel really good about where we are at our lodge. Other lodges that I have encouraged this have not so eagerly embraced it. What I will tell you, I think the difference is when I go to another lodge that I have encouraged to use these books and they have them and they make them available, but they don't make the candidates read them. I see virtually the same people on the sideline in every meeting, and it's been that way for probably 15 years, whereas our folks are getting to their proficiencies much quicker and they're coming to the meetings and then they're helping and then we bring them in to do some of those roles that they can do in other degrees. I'm not going to pin all of this on these books, but if we are opening their mind and changing their frame of reference and their train of thought from passive and receiving and showing them that if they will exert some effort, they can go out and actively learn and that material is there, it's up to us to help them find it and then explain to them how to apply it, which we also do not do, not very well. Our failing, I think, as a fraternity is that we so de-emphasize the esoteric meaning of the ritual work over the decades that I worry 
that we do not have a good pool of brothers who can teach this in a way that can be understood by a new Mason. That's, that's my biggest concern that maybe it's too late. I don't know, but I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. I think that you're right. And that's why these books are so important. And I think you touched upon something about having the right tool, so to speak. It's not a Manly P. Hall book. If you gave a new candidate a Manly P. Hall book, you'd lose them forever because they mm -hmm. think I can't do this. I don't even understand this. It takes a special kind of person to, in preparation, as I've heard you mention before, to understand Manly P. Hall at that level, that this does really give you a basic understanding of what they experienced. And, and it's a great tool to supplement where a brother in the past may have been able to be that person, to be that mm -hmm. mentor. I do think that there's another piece to that. And you mentioned them coming back and reflecting to the lodge. That's super important because if you miss that piece, then they don't have an opportunity to process. But I'll go deeper and say that brothers, we need to have conversations with them mm -hmm. outside of that lodge so that we keep them interested and keep them passionate about wanting to learn more. Yes. So yeah, I agree 100%. And, and I will agree that that is the weakness of our lodge that has been there forever. And we try to address it. We'll surge that a little bit. Then we fade back off again. I was just going to say another point is if you have a few EAs or a few fellow craft or a few master masons going through it at the same time, it's another great resource is just not just reflection, but, but going through it together. Mm -hmm. yeah working on it together yeah. I think, in the understanding. And I know that's happened maybe once or twice in, in our laws since you brought these books in. I will admit to a large part of the, the fault or the shortness because my preferred training style may not always be the appropriate style. I like the learning to occur to where a candidate or a student doesn't realize that it's happening to do that you do it very slowly and you don't put your finger on their nose and say you will memorize this you you do things as a mentor would do through the natural course of events including talking about these things however i think that there are things that we can do on a class scale if before a meeting perhaps if we had the eas talk about book one during dinner and then the same thing with the fellow craft and then the new master. We could have them actually use that time before the meeting and have these discussions to prompt even more thirst for learning or more questions in their mind. If they've got questions, then it's up to us to figure out they've got questions and then get them pointed towards an answer. Yeah, because they might not always tell us that they have questions. We have, yes. to, we have to seek that out. Reading through these books, if I had any questions, I just picked up the phone and called Ken or mm -hmm. Chris. They, you know, helped me through some things or just talking through, but that's just my style, right? Mm -hmm. so if I can do, I'd say that's an area of opportunity for me as a, I'd say still a, a new master after a year, you know, mm -hmm. is, is being more proactive in that through any degree, re proactively reaching out. And I can do that from afar. Yeah, I'm with you. Something we can, it's an area of opportunity. <laughs> yeah yeah brother hudson i was just about to say that 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 was the key for you and you you were at that point where you were at a crossroads do i continue with masonry or do i focus on my work and my family and we had the conversation about trying to divide your time appropriately and 
I think that helped you tremendously. But I think that's the key is the new initiates and candidates as they go through the degrees need to know who they can call, but they also need to know that it's safe to call as well. And brothers have to be open to that. So I I know Brother Boyd mentioned earlier that our, our lodges struggled with the mentor piece, which I agree. But I think part of that is too, is that the initiates or the candidates need to be willing to to reach out to. And, and that's always the case is um, I think more than all our brothers are more than willing to mentor and be mm-hmm. there to have a Masonic conversation because we all love the craft so much. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's, that's the piece is, is getting those people to reach out. And I can think of a candidate right now who's a fellow craft going through that it's not his personality to reach out. It's not his personality to reach out and do that. But being able to know that there's other pieces, because if I call Brother Boyd or I call Brother White or I call Brother Hudson or Brother Sanchez, I'm going to get most likely a different answer. You know, it's going to be like, but it's their mm-hmm. interpretation. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's why these books are super important. And I think that those conversations need to keep happening. Right. So I know that your intent of these sessions was to talk about content, but I sort of hijacked your intent and went in this direction. I I hope that it still serves a purpose for you, but I think that if we're looking at the future of masonry and Freemasonry, that if we don't start addressing these shortfalls, we may find ourselves in unrecoverable tailspin. I mean that we change the focus of the fraternity from that of esoterical philosophies that we can apply to our lives and then we've switched more to we're a secret fraternity that has a few secret grips and grins and think that that damage is very deep because really in my mind the secrets obviously are what they tell us the secrets are but the secret really in my mind is how each of us applies the working tools and the esoteric meaning of the ritual within our life. Because it's no one else's real business how we do it. Now, if we share, if we've learned things that we want to, hey, this is what I thought that meant. And and look at what I've been able to do by following this tenant. That's great. But we do that within the fraternity. So is it a secret? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe once we go out and we live our life as that model, then the secret is out, but we're not advertising it as this is one of the secrets of masonry here. If you do this, you're you're going to get this in life. We just live our life, and that's the secret. It's all very deep and philosophical. We've gone from Claudia at the top level, and now we've dropped down to that bottom level to are we connecting? And I have to unfortunately say I don't think that as a whole, I don't think that U.S. masonry is connecting. I think that's why the books are so important, because to really apply something, you need to understand why mm-hmm. you had that happen to you or the purpose of it so that you can apply it to your life. Yeah. yeah. And your brain has to be actively in seek and understand mode. To me, that was the awesome thing about these books. When I read them, and I had already read a lot of books by that point, But after I read them, I went back to see, well, what did Mackey say about these? And what did, so you know, Wilmhurst say and these other authors, if a person allows themselves to do it, then their brain switches into the active learning mode. And to me, 
if we take a candidate and we sail past that point and we never engage their active learning mode, then we can sit here and barrage them and we're going to end up with the instructor helping them through their proficiency. Good. Brother Hudson, did you have any final thoughts regarding the Claudie books or anything for our listeners regarding advice with them? I just want to thank Brother Bill for bringing those books into our lodge. And I was blessed enough to be the first reader and of the EA book. Like I We call it a guinea pig. First guinea pig, that is. I was glad to do it. I just want to encourage all of our listeners to, to pick up these books, read them. Uh, if you find them useful in your lodge, to please put them to, to action. And uh, great conversation, Brother Bill. Thank you. Brother Bill, did you have any final thoughts for our listeners regarding the books? I just hope that we've given them something to think about in this forum. We've covered a, actually a pretty wide territory here from the initiatic experience to learning styles, to tools, to working. So hopefully there's been stuff in here that people can pick out and, and use to improve their lodges, their education, whatever. I would tell the folks that may be interested, I was on Amazon yesterday and you can buy the books in a set of three on Amazon for $17 for the whole set for those who may be interested and I'm not getting a commission on these. So, If you tuned in to learn more content about the books, the content is pretty simple. It's basically what you experienced in the lodge, basic overview. So hopefully more than anything, this podcast has encouraged you to go out and seek books and purchase them for yourself. They're short reads, about 30 to 40 pages. And the thing I will leave you with is, and until next time, education is the key to everything. Try to better yourself in life. So continue chipping away at your rough Ashler to become that perfect Ashler. Always walk uprightly and live your life on the level.